Car Experience. So if you are looking for a language tutor, you want to practice your language skills, especially if you uh, don't live in the country uh, where the country you're learning is spoken, or if you're traveling a lot like I am, then I recommend you go down to the description below the video and check out um, a link there for italki or italki because that is a service I have used an awful lot over the last few years, as many of you know who are regular viewers to the channel. And there you're gonna find tens of thousands of uh, language tutors and you can have classes with them, one-on-one -on -one individual classes via Skype. Uh, you don't have to meet them in person and you can do all the payments online. And it's something that I have used regularly over the last few years to learn my languages. And of course you get a special discount. If you go through my link, there is some starter credit of $10 towards your first lesson. So go check out the link to italki or italki, depending on which way you want to pronounce it. Всем привет, salut. And welcome to this uh, second episode of the Zara Experience podcast with me, Connor Klein. I'm delighted to have you back here. Today, I'm speaking to you from a very, very nice park called L'Abbaye de la Compre in Brussels, uh, Bruxelles, in Belgium. And there's a particular reason why I chose this location to have the second episode of the podcast. Unfortunately, you can't see it if you're listening to this just in the audio on the uh, podcast version. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see this beautiful park. It's one of my favorite places in Brussels. I actually come here kind of to take a run or just to have a stroll. It's right in the city center, a little bit of an oasis of calm here in a big European capital. And in today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to discuss my own language learning journey and how it can inspire and help you and motivate you to learn lots of languages. And this city is actually important to that story because I actually lived in Brussels for a few years. But to get started into the podcast and to explain my background, um, my name is Connor Klein. Uh, you might be able to detect that that is a Irish name, so I was born in Ireland, in Galway, on the west coast of Ireland. And you, well, you probably, if you're listening to this, especially on the podcast version, you will notice that I don't have a particularly Irish accent when I speak. I've lost that Irish brogue to a certain extent, unfortunately. A lot of people find it charming. And that's because I've lived in lots of countries since uh, being born and growing up in, in Ireland. Uh, so you can probably hear different influences on my in my accent. Uh, I lived in uh, the US for a while, also in France, in Belgium here, um, in Germany, in Italy, in France, uh, if I haven't said France already, the Netherlands uh, was the other one. And recently I was spending a lot of time, as probably a lot of you know, and this is probably why you're watching this video, I spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe, so countries like Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Romania, Moldova, and occasionally I've been in Poland and in Russia, the Baltic countries, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. So. If you've been watching this channel before I started to focus on Eastern Europe, you will have seen that I did a lot of videos about learning languages and being a polyglot. Now, a polyglot is someone who just basically means someone who speaks lots of languages. It's not very complex. It may sound like a very elitist term, but that's basically what it describes. And I actually started out in Ireland, a country which, of course, is um, not known for its linguistic prowess. I mean, we don't have a very good reputation like the same in the United Kingdom or in America for learning foreign languages. And I was definitely a very good example of that because in high school, uh, my three worst subjects, my three worst results in my high school final exams, the state exams were actually in the languages. So those three languages I had to learn, like English, uh, obviously it's my native tongue, Irish, because that's uh, the, the official language of the country of Ireland. It's not English with an Irish accent. It's a completely different language from the Celtic family of languages. Uh, and I don't actually, I don't really think it's that hard to learn, but it is completely different to English. And then I had French. That was my like 
foreign language in that sense. And they were my worst three subjects. I really couldn't master pronunciation, obviously not. English is my native tongue, so that's not an issue. But in French, for example, I could not get the pronunciation down at all. Um, and I just really struggled. Vocabulary, grammar terms, I actually found it really boring when I was in high school. Like languages were something that I just felt like, they're not for me, they're from other people in class who seem to get the good results, right? Because at the time I, inter I equated um, being a good student with being a good learner of languages. And it's only later on that I've realized that's not always the case. And in fact, it's actually maybe never really the case uh, for if you look at people who actually go on to learn lots of languages versus people who are students of languages and get really good exam, you know, results in those high school, high school exams in particular. So I was there and I just thought languages are not for me. They're my worst results. I uh, was really good at things like physics, um, chemistry, mathematics. Uh, I got like top grades and all those kind of things. I also accountancy. So anything with numbers, it seemed like I got a good result on. Uh, so I actually then studied law, which uh, of course involves language because you got to speak it. You got to read all the time. Um, admittedly, it was in English. I did have legal French at uh, university, but I really was like the worst student in the class. Again, student in the class. Uh, and actually only passed my second year um, French exams, uh, we had legal French, it was very specialized and I couldn't even speak French so learning legal terminology was obviously really really difficult for me and I remember I was basically just passed on sympathy because I agreed to go on a language exchange in my third year, spend the entire year in France and actually learn some French so the teacher was like okay fine I'll just give you a passing grade just so just so you can go to France and actually learn the language. So I arrived in France uh, to do with this university exchange. The exchange program in Europe is called Erasmus and it was definitely a really transformative year for me because you know I never lived in a foreign culture and had to adapt to it so it was really uh, a challenge in the beginning. Um, I could not, and this I'm not joking, I could not order a sandwich on the train from Paris to the city I was actually spending the year uh, on the exchange program in. I had to point I had to grunt uh, because yeah I just didn't even know I tried to say like can I have whatever a sandwich please and uh, uh, the guy didn't understand me <laughs> this is the bottom line so I had to point at it and grunt that's how terrible my level of French was and remember I've had this for five years in high school followed by two years in university where I'm supposed to be learning legal French to be a lawyer in French and I cannot even order a sandwich so any notion that you have that um, people who learn lots of languages in general are talented or have some special like gene for learning languages. Well, I don't believe it exists, but if it does, I certainly wasn't blessed with it um, because I started at the bottom, the worst student. And during that year in France, I mean, I basically spent the first, I would say, month to two months completely mute. I couldn't partake in any of the conversations that everyone else was having around me because uh, yeah, I just didn't understand anything and I couldn't say anything over extremely basic. Uh, so my friend, my, my, I had a friend who was with me there, on, had several friends were with me, but one in particular, he actually interpreted for me a lot, so I didn't end up completely left out. But obviously he couldn't do that. I couldn't do simultaneous interpretation for me uh, every, every day, 24 hours a day. So basically I was very isolated because I couldn't communicate with people. Um, 
Of course, some people uh, who were other foreign students spoke English, but the region was in France. People did not speak very much English. Uh, I did have other English speakers on. We were staying in these dorms, in these residences. Uh, not really dorms. They were like, because we had our own rooms, but we were staying in this residence. Uh, and there were, of course, other foreign students on my floor. So I was able to communicate with them uh, using English when I first, first arrived. But over the year, basically, I managed to adapt and survive. And I got to a really basic level in French, and I became a lot more confident but it still wasn't very good right and this is after living in the country for one year well at this stage maybe about 10 months uh, the academic year and uh, I even um, went to the south of I I'd gone on a little bit of a traveling trip and I arrived back in France on my own I said okay now I'm gonna spend the summer here and I think I have enough French to at least be able to communicate on a very basic level with people like High beginner probably was my level at the time, maybe low intermediate, just about that. And a chance occurrence then happened. I was in Cannes, uh, which is very famous for the film festival in the south of France. I went there on a trip, on a day trip. And there was a guy who was sitting uh, with, his, with a girl, uh, we were sitting on a terrace. Uh, beautiful day, it's the south of France. You can imagine the seaside Cannes. And, um, he was there and he was ordering in French, talking in some language. I think, I mean, I figured out it was German from, from listening to it with the girl he was with. And then he, he turned to me and he said, uh, yeah, hello, um, are you British? And uh, he had a side accent, a German accent in uh, English when he, when he addressed me. And uh, we started to chat and uh, he was telling me that he had actually just come from Spain that morning where he spoke in Spanish and then he was going to Italy in the evening where he was going to speak in Italian and he was speaking to his girlfriend um, in German and he was ordering in French and speaking English to me so I was like man that's like five languages and he said yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a polyglot actually um, so I'm just someone who speaks lots of language and then he was explaining to me that he had played table tennis at a high level when he was younger and he also had the the matches, uh, the tournaments in the different countries around Europe. So he was really fascinated by languages because when he would go and play, he would, um, you know, encounter the different people who speak the different languages across Europe uh, as he went to play in the tournaments for the German national team, um, if I remember correctly. So he was like, you know, con constantly moving around uh, throughout Europe and he had a need and a motivation. And uh, But I was just completely taken aback because I had never met anyone who spoke more than maybe two or three languages. This guy spoke five, right? I think he even spoke more than that, maybe six. And I'd never even heard of this word polyglot and understood what it meant. But I mean, basically it just means someone who speaks lots of languages. I do have an article on my website uh, that I'm going to link in the description below this in YouTube and also put in the show notes uh, to the podcast uh, where I actually go into depth of what, you know, how many languages is someone a polyglot, the different types of categories and all that kind of nerdy stuff. So if you really want to geek out on this, then you can go check that out. Got to link it below in the show notes and in the, uh, in the description in YouTube here. And so I, I said to him like, well, do you spend all your time studying? Because like to speak that number of languages is like insane for me. And he was like, actually, uh, no, I'm just kind of like motivated. I'm really curious because I get to use them a lot and uh, I want to be able to speak in French in France and you know in Italian in Italy so you know I read about the grammar and um, I studied it a little bit um, but actually I just kind of talk to people a lot and I read a lot in the different languages I watch the TV because here in um, the time in, in Germany I guess you had a lot of foreign TV stations so I can kind of watch the news or watch a documentary in French and it's uh, pretty easy for me uh, so I found this like amazing <laughs> I was like man this is like really 
just something that astounds me because uh, you know growing up in Ireland where people spoke English and Irish and maybe one other foreign language this was like something I never encountered even on my year as an, as an exchange student so uh, I came back from that you know meeting and uh, I was I was working for the summer in Nice and uh, yeah I was really made me a lot more curious about uh, the other languages that we hear because we were very close to Italy so there are a lot of Italians that come into the restaurant I, I worked as a waiter for the summer uh, to get some money to go traveling at the end I went around Corsica which is a really beautiful island so if you get the chance go there uh, and I took that trip and uh, I learned a lot of French of course over the summer because I was uh, having to deal with you know the public I was a waiter so I had to of course uh, serve people and wait the tables and talk to the customers and uh, and I started getting exposed to Italian I take a little trip there so I was really like uh, curious about Italian and having met this guy uh, who's a polyglot it really kind of made me think right over the last year uh, I didn't really have language classes very much I did have them a little bit at university and you know I sucked to them I did the exams I think I failed them all uh, <laughs> so again another another example where I sucked as a student and I started to think well well this guy wasn't taking exams, right? I mean, he was just learning because he was really excited and you know he enjoyed it and he was like reading lots in the different languages, watching TV and just talking to people. So it seemed like he was able to master all these languages. And you know, the people who were getting the high grades in the class, they they, had, they would do well in that exam and they would be able to speak to people obviously better than me outside. Um, but they weren't people who were like speaking four, five, six languages. So I thought this guy is onto something. And after I spent that summer, I did improve because I obviously had a lot of contact with the language. I traveled around in Corsica on my own for the week and uh, I had a great time there and I did, you know, really talk to a lot of people and uh, also my job as a waiter that had happened. So I came back um, to finish my law studies in Ireland and I started to get really curious about finding some sort of alternative method. And I remember I went to the local bookshop and they had you know the kind of classical uh, language books there and um, none of them really inspired me because it seemed like I was just going to learn lots of grammar and vocabulary and it was the same old same old that I've been seeing in class and you know, I still can't pronounce things properly so this isn't going to help me um, be any different right in terms of a learning experience and there was one course that kind of caught my eye because um, the cover to it had these words like something like no memorization um, no uh, homework. I think they were the two things that caught my eye and they really appealed to me because having followed um, yeah, having followed that kind of like rigid classroom regime at school it had been absolutely ineffective uh, to teach me languages so I was like I'm willing to try anything else at this stage but it was actually a course from Michelle Thomas um, I'll, I'll link that, this below as well of course in the description to the YouTube video and the show notes to the podcast so you can go take a look. Uh, Michelle Thomas was originally from I think he was from modern-day Poland. He may have been born in Wuch. And uh, he'd grown up in Germany a little bit, in Breslau at the time. I think that's uh, Wrocław today, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, in Poland. And uh, then he, he had this incredible life story, you know, during the Second World War. He was Jewish and he was living in France. And of course, you had the Nazi Germany invaded France. And you had the Vichy government, the public government, in the part that he was. And he had all these, he even, you know, uh, he was interrogated and he had to pretend he, well, he didn't understand German even though of course he spoke fluent German uh, to avoid being executed um, by the Nazi regime or the pro-Nazi regime where he was and after the war he had even testified at the, the trial of a um, leading Nazi um, so he had this incredible life story and then afterwards he had opened a language school in 
um, California in LA and became this big celebrity teacher to a lot of stars. So he had this course and it seemed very different and I remember he had this kind of crackly voice on the old recording and it was kind of imperfect but it really helped me get the basics down in terms of learning how to open conversations and I was really hooked in this. I think I bought it in several languages. I think he had it in like German, Spanish, Italian, French and Italian I think at the time so I bought them in I may, I may have bought in the space of a few months actually bought them in all of them even though I wasn't learning all the languages I was just like so excited and I was motivated to learn Italian because I'd had this great trip uh, to Italy and uh, I was really like yeah I want to live in Italy for at least one year of my life I'm not sure how I'm going to do it at the time but I was really determined to, to, to at least start on that path so I bought the um, bought the course and I listened to it and I remember my family, some of my family was making fun of me because I was like listening to it when it was dark and repeating the sentences and building up the structures and, and not memorizing doing anything or being in a classroom environment, right? The, t the traditional learning approach and they were kind of making fun of me for doing this kind of crazy thing like well, it seemed insane to them. Uh, <clears throat> and then I think it was like the following year I uh, went to study in the Netherlands and I invited an Italian girl out on a date and um, yeah it was kind of funny I had a I had a 20-minute conversation only in Italian and I to remember I had just taken this Michelle Thomas like eight-hour course up until now like the audio course and that's all the Italian I had right and it was exhausting but I lasted 20 minutes <laughs> in Italian and uh, I, I later dated this girl we went out together for a couple of years um, so then obviously my Italian improved uh, dramatically afterwards because I had an Italian girlfriend and that's again part of the philosophy I guess to learning languages I had a high motivation and a lot of exposure to language when you have obviously a relationship an intimate relationship with someone but that just shows like this alternative allowed me to have a 20-minute conversation remember when I was telling you about French and my experience I had five years at school and two years at university I couldn't order a sandwich on the first day I might have a 20-minute conversation I was living in France in that Erasmus year and it was months before I had a 20-minute conversation with anyone uh, and to have a one-on-one -on -one in Italian was like uh, obviously as I said tiring it wasn't very easy I struggled at parts but I got through it and it obviously had a, it made a good impression right um, because I ended up in a relationship as a result so this really for me meant I could never go back to like traditional language learning after that so I continued um, I obviously learned Italian. I actually lived in Italy and I achieved my goal. I went to study at Johns Hopkins University, SAIS, which is their School of Advanced International Studies. And they actually had a campus in Bologna in Italy. So I actually went for the first year there and studied in Italy, got to live, had probably the best year of my life, uh, definitely my university life. It was just amazing living in Northern Italy, eating just incredible food the vibe at the time it was university it's a university city Bologna and it was just amazing and I got pretty like really good Italian obviously having lived there and having had this base that I had learned from Michel Thomas and also having a relationship with an Italian and I spent the summer in Sardinia if I remember correctly um, which is another great thing uh, beautiful island if you ever get the chance you should definitely go there and spend some time uh, it's really one of my favorite places in Italy uh, during the summer just amazing beaches and uh, so I had this phenomenal experience and at this stage I speak okay French I speak okay Italian pretty good Italian uh, I took the exams as part of my masters and passed them in both of those languages so I was like officially competent finally so we have three languages at this stage and when I was there in Washington I started to do things like 
you know, there was an Hispanic neighborhood uh, basically one street away from where I lived and I actually would go there and I started learning Spanish using the Michelle Thomas. I had some classes also at university, I joined the class, but I didn't need it uh, for credit or anything. It was just something that, you know, was on offer. So I thought, why not take advantage and just, uh, you know, use that to improve another language at the same time. And I used to go like really regularly, like every second day to the Hispanic uh, neighborhood. So these people were immigrants originally from Central America and primarily from El Salvador. And I would just speak in Spanish, open the conversation in Spanish. And I didn't speak very good Spanish, but I just just went and did it, right? And some people were like, because my Spanish was obviously very basic, um, they didn't really want to entertain me, but I would say about 80% of the, of the people in the neighborhood were just were happy to speak to me. They were either neutral or ha really happy to speak to me in Spanish because they could see someone who wasn't a native Spanish speaker um, opening up, you know, making an effort to learn their language where they could probably empathize with that because they come to America and not speaking English and they had to struggle and learn it themselves. So they obviously respected that and were like, oh, this guy's in the same position, he's really trying to learn their language. And I remember I used to go to a taco stand every Sunday, the same one, I went in these small vans and I would like hang around and chat to the people there uh, for like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and they were really delighted because I was probably when a few people came by and actually bought a taco and spoke in Spanish as a non-native speaker. And I also had a cafe, my favorite cafe, right near my university and um, some of the people who worked there were El Salvadorian as well and there was some um, there was a French speaking guy from West Africa and then there were some Swahili speaking guys they even taught me some Swahili so I used to speak every day like French and Spanish and so it was a bit like having a language class but you know it was no extra effort and what was really important was like I actually liked the people genuinely who I was chatting to every day in Spanish and French and uh, the Swahili I, I hadn't really learned, so they just teach me some terms that we talk mainly in English. Um, but even if I had to do an every, everything in English, I would have spoken to those people and formed that friendship and relationship with them. Uh, but here I was doing it in French and Spanish, so like my French got really, really good. Not because I was taking classes, not because I was studying grammar, it's because, you know, every day, uh, basically I was going to this cafe and maybe the guy was working there every second day. So every second day I basically chatted for like half an hour uh, in French. So I was like, I'm in a French class and same for Spanish. I got up to a decent level. I didn't get a, I remember they, they tested me in Spanish um, from, you know, obviously I started beginners and there's a little bit of overlap, of course, with Italian and French because they're from the same family of languages, the Romance family. So it wasn't like it was completely um, foreign to me in that sense. So I did have a little bit of a head start, but um, you know, it's funny because they, they tested me at the school, right? So it's students, do I know the grammar and all this stuff? And they didn't pass me. I think they just about had me below the passing passing grade after, you know, two semesters of the language um, up to proficiency level, which was a very high, in theory, a high standard to have reached anyways. But I found it interesting because the people that they were passing in the exam had learned all these grammar rules and, um, you know, the vocabulary that they, in reality, they don't need when they're communicating 99% of the time. Uh, but when they would come to me at the cafe, they would struggle to have a natural conversation with the real native speakers. And for me, it was like, well, the goal of learning the language is actually to communicate with people, right? Um, so they've been good students and a past exam, but they can't have a conversation and actually, or really engage in the subject matters that they really want to talk about uh, naturally. Uh, so they may pass the exam, but are they going to continue to maintain the language? Are they going to improve? 
it's, it's very unlikely, right? Because without that motivation, that curiosity, and those real genuine relationships uh, in the languages, it's just like it's too much work, right? You're not going to be studying grammar if you don't have the exam anymore, because that's the thing, they have a goal, pass the exam. It's useful for my career. I have to pass one language in order to get my final diploma. Uh, was I didn't have that pressure. I was just like, I think this kicks ass, right? I mean, this is, this excites me, this like challenge of like starting from position of a five-year-old in terms of my ability in language and then gradually increasing and, you know, that progress is addictive and, you know, I'm talking to people, you know, learning about their culture at the same time. Now I want to go and visit their country. So the whole thing was really exciting. So, this is the end of the first part of this two-part episode of the podcast. It's actually so long that I decided to split it into two parts now that we're doing the editing. As you can see, I'm no longer in Brussels. I'm actually in Odessa, or Odessa, on the Black Sea in Ukraine, just standing at the entrance to Park Shevchenko. You can see the statue of Taras Shevchenko there if you're watching it on YouTube. If you're listening to it, well, you just have to imagine where I am. Um, you should go below to the description of this video or the show notes if you're listening to this and there I have a free video course for you guys, a three-part video course completely free. Just sign up by email and then you get that for completely free for you, uh, which will help you. It's three of my secrets for learning languages. And then at the end of that, there's the chance to join my premium course, uh, Language Up Your Life. So until the second part of this episode next week, um, this Vidanya from... Odessa, Ukraine. Sar Experience.